This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Yeah. All right, so let's run into our lightning round. We got four questions. These are, some are yes or no, some are like a little bit of, you got two options here. I'll kick it off. So in the stories you collected, were they just like basic statistical approaches or are, that were at the center of success or were there advanced techniques and advanced AI at the center? Is this a yes, no question? No, this is the, this is the one or the other, right? So I think it was just basic statistical approaches or advanced AI techniques. More towards the latter, but heavily also like some of these scenarios were just, just like back of the napkin math. And, and by the way, like, I'm hijacking here for a second for a tangent, but like that's also a big part of the of the point of this is to say like you don't you don't need to be doing ML. You can sometimes like linear regression is just fine. Yeah. Just do that. Amen to that. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right, second question. So sabermetrics, Moneyball, betting and gaming. You know, the sports world is kind of seen at the center of a lot around data these days. Um, have you? been impressed as you've stepped into this world by what's been going on there or you know the flip side would of that would be actually a little bit underwhelmed whatever you could say <laughs> i would say the world in in gaming specifically the world of um odds and probabilities is incredible and decades of work has been done to get this industry to like just a state of implementation of you know, scaled probability tools that I, you know, I don't know where else you find that maybe in like exchange markets of some kind. In terms of the adoption of data as a part of strategy in leagues, teams, you know, sports betting operators, sports companies, et cetera, that has been, you know, that certainly that, you know, not everybody has come from that background and they're beginning to incorporate it. And it has sometimes been surprising there are billion dollar companies, billion dollar industries out there that just function on on less data than you'd think. Yeah, interesting. All right, next question. Can an organization treat data like an asset if they don't have a clear data leader? They can. The two people that I think can sub in effectively are the CPO and maybe the CMO. Obviously the CEO counts, sure, fine. But in terms of people who might spot the the asset value, I can imagine the CMO can think of creative ways to you know, trade, augment, apply um, the, the body of data that they have. And, and then the CPO obviously is thinking about how to productize that and get it into the hands of customers. And um, so, yeah, I think you can, I think you can. I think it'd be harder. Nope. That's just job security. Uh, uh, yeah. Just before we go into question four, I want to veer into a little honest NBS territory here. You 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 omitted CIO and you had omitted CTO. I assume that was purposeful. CIO is an old title. I don't know if people even have that anymore. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, actually, yes. Actually, now, now I'm curious to see uh, digitally native uh, modern cloud companies would do things when they have a CIO. That yeah, sounds very digital officers and things like that. Right? That sounds very like Oracle to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, last, last, last uh, lightning round question. Yes. You go. So the last question, Maddie, is um, are we trending as organizations towards, and I'm going to use a very particular word here, more productivity with data 
or is it going to yeah. get worse? Is it getting worse before it gets better? No, I think it's getting better. Okay. I do. All right. Tim, takeaway times. Takeaways. Taking away with Take, my takeaways. Take away. Kick us off. Oh my gosh, so much good stuff today. So we started off with this phrase, which is the criminal under-leveraging of data. And any organization you said that's not treating data like an asset is criminally under-leveraging it. And stop committing crimes, everyone. Leverage your data. Use it as an asset. Treat it like an asset. Um, and as a digital world now, you mentioned, hopefully we're moving past the confusion of what data can do for your business. There are so many creative possibilities. Um, it's not all only about business reporting and dashboards. And uh, you answered that, what does it mean to treat data like an asset? You, you mentioned that it's closest to like an accounting perspective. Which side of the balance sheet is it on? Um, you know, earlier in your career, you mentioned that, you know, data was more like a cost center, undervalued, but now as we go forward, it can lead strategy. Instead of being a liability, it can be an asset. Um, Data-driven, data literacy, those aren't end goals. Those are must-do. Those are table stakes. The goal is to do something of value for people and for customers, delight your customers. Um, and you mentioned uh, about your book. Your book was four years in the making. Uh, your co-author, Zach, was you know formally affiliated with the NYPD and leveraged his network and, and, and experiences there. And you interviewed folks for two years and then spent another year editing, 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 and pulling together this really awesome collection of stories um, of how folks have leveraged data, sort of the, the, the leveraging of data, and perhaps in some cases, some, some criminal under-leveraging or, or mistakes that have been made away along the way. So I think that's awesome for folks to check out as a follow-up to this. Um, your favorite story was uh, two of them. One was Zipline which uh, was pioneering drone delivery of blood and medical um, devices and, and services to remote parts of, of Africa. Uh, and how, even though they were a, a company headquartered in San Francisco, they were able to operate in an environment in Africa where they could experiment, they could iterate, but they didn't do it in a way that was a win-lose, where maybe they were taking advantage of the situation there, or taking advantage of people. It was actually in the service of those people, those people were the customers. And so it was a win-win. And so that's a great story of leveraging data to make these highly accurate drones um, that could you know, uh, not crash into each other and things like that while also helping people. Uh, and then you also mentioned uh, around the NYPD, how back in the 90s, I think it was, they, they created CompStat, where uh, they, they were taking the data around crimes happening in the city and being able to keep track of history and trends. And then in 2018, there was a similar in spirit initiative, uh, Patternizer, I think you mentioned, uh, where they looked at the patterns uh, across that history. Uh, and when a crime happened, they could kind of predict if that crime was going to repeat uh, to very high accuracy. Uh, and unfortunately, that project was ultimately shelved, which I think might be a little bit of a handoff to Juan, Juan is going to talk about here around uh, change management. So Juan, over to you. Yeah, and I, like you said, your book, uh, it's actually a lot about change management. I think that's a really important part, right? Take, you got to take the lens, the market lens. This is what a disruptor looks like, what the incumbent looks like, right? We understand the three levels, executive, middle management, individual contributors, like where do things go? And I, I love your, your, your very honest OBS take here. It's like, hey, data leaders, there's, you're not there to, to innovate for the sake of innovating. It's all about outcomes. Pick your battles and understand where do you need to innovate. And sometimes, guess what? You probably don't need to innovate, right? You really uh, need to be 
thinking about that environment that you have, is it possible that, to go do this, but will it be doomed because you won't be able to deploy it? So don't even consider doing that. Um, and sometimes like miniaturizations are just so behind the pack that all you can benefit is just getting to parity. That means that there is no innovating disruption needed right now. You just need to play catch up, go focus on that. Because being a leader means that you should achieve the outcome. And this may mean that the next 12 months is just doing the simple catch up stuff. Maybe later you get a little bit more innovative, but you gotta do that basic stuff. Um, we talked about what is it before between like the older companies and newer companies, right? So in defining strategy, if you're an older company, you have to, you're inheriting people, you're inheriting teams, you're having tools. It's all about change management while in a new place, right? It's, you have a clean slate. It's a strategy challenge. So, but it, there's a lot to consider there, right? Where do we need to go? Where should we take risk? Where, where should we not take risk? Like who are the partners that we're going to go, uh, work with and that we're make solid decisions. Where should we be investing or not investing in doing things, right? Don't invest in things that are not part of your IP. Invest in security and governance up front. Um, and in your case, you said it kind of spoiled because you worked in that cloud world. And I think as data leaders, you understand which world that you live in. And that's how you'll understand how you relate to other data leaders. Um, and then we finalize with, with reporting. Uh, where, did, where, where is reporting? And you report to the CTO, gets up to the CEO, and but we see that reporting can happen so many different places, right? Especially if you see data reporting to the CFO and CMOs and governance reporting to InfoSec and stuff, that makes it really, really hard. It, there's always a preference to kind of lead the lead data from end to end. It's kind of that blank check. But if you don't have that possibility, I mean, you just got to start with the must-dos and, and, and generate trust, right? I like that you said, just do the things that don't exist that need to exist. Build the reports that don't exist, right? Take that thorn away from the person who hired you, start making trust, and then you can ask for some little change. What do you think about that? Generate more trust and that's how that cycle continues. How did we do? Beautiful. Anything wow. else? Recall 100. <laughs> hey, who, need, who needs chat GPT? <laughs> we got Juan and Tim. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, to wrap this up, let's back to you. Three questions. What's your advice about data, about life? Uh, who should we invite next? And what resources do you follow? Okay. I'm, my advice is something that it took me way, way, way too long to learn. It is you do your best work when you're getting your best rest. Amen to that. <laughs> I, 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 uh, when I was in grad school, I was also sleeping not that much. And then I had a shift. I started sleeping my eight hours and I realized, oh, I'm kind of being more productive. <laughs> now I feel smart now. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't just burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. What about uh, who should we invite next? Okay. I got, I got two people on the list. I don't know. They're both very important people. I think you should shoot your shot. Um, one of them is Tom Davenport who is just one of the best like contemporary sort of thinkers on AI in, in the context of like corporate transformation. I think um, we were lucky enough to convince him to write the foreword to the book, which was just stunning. Um, but he, he has also published a book recently. It's fascinating. And, and it's all about, you know, again, just like building that bridge between the people who are pioneering AI and sort of the rest of the world. Um, and he's very, very good at that. Uh, and the second person I would say is somebody who I started following a couple of years ago, whose perspective I really appreciate. Um, she's called Timnit Jebro, and she was uh, 
um, well known for her prior role at Google, but she's been she's been a researcher and a thinker for a long time. And um, just the perspective is it's it's her perspective is generally a great reminder of things that can often be overlooked in the world of like the excitement of innovation. And like we have LLMs that can do incredible things now. For example, um, just yesterday or today, she had posted something about the workers who do content moderation training for the models that power many of the products we use day to day, Facebook, et cetera. Um, they do content moderation, like content labeling, yes, no, appropriate answer, inappropriate answer. And they filter out some really disturbing content and prevent it from arriving on any of our screens. And um, there's a there's a there's a company who provides these services in, in Africa, there's a few companies actually, and those workers unionized because they weren't getting adequate sort of rest, treatment, compensation, rights, et cetera. And it's just this reminder that like these lovely tools that make our lives easier, it takes a lot to get them up and running. And and some of some of what it takes is really tough stuff. And um, you gotta think about the whole like evolution of that beautiful handy product that you're now enjoying um, and whether it was ethically made at sort of every stage of the process. So she's great, you know. Yeah, she, no, she's, she's fantastic. We've been following her, all her stuff for so many years and, and a lot of amazing stories you can tell. Um, finally, what, what resources do you follow, do you recommend? People, blogs, podcasts, books. I mean, obviously your book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got one great resource for you. Um, I, I think this is an illegal answer, but like, I don't have favorites. I, I just snack. I just peruse. I'm, I'm on people's personal like medium blogs. I'm like following all of the big news channels. Like there's no go to for me. I, I do feel like that's an illegal answer, but no, 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 no. We've, like, we've had folks say, you know, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. I just follow LinkedIn's people. Great. LinkedIn's great. Well, Maddie, thank you so much. Just a quick reminder. Next week, our guest is going to be Ben Clinch. He's an enterprise architect at BT, a, a British telecom called BT. We're going to be actually live from Gartner in London. Uh, we're going to have a slight change. We usually do this live 4 p.m. We're going to change it next week. We're going to be live at 11 a.m. U.S. Central Time, which will be 5 p.m. U.K. time. Uh, that will be next week. And with that, Maddie, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and again, check out your book, Precisely Working with Precision Systems in the World of Data. And as always, thanks to Data World. Let's just do this every Wednesday. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was fun. Uh, cheers, Cheers. Maddie. Cheers.